Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody this is phil town and this is danielle town welcome to the invested podcast we're excited to be here today because so excited yeah we had warren buffett's annual meeting and he and charlie made it another year (laughs) yeah i guess that's one way to think about that (laughs) it's worth celebrating every day when you don't buy green bananas it's it's absolutely (laughs) true so (laughs) yeah i mean Let's let's talk about Buffett and let's talk about what they talked about. And let's talk about what's coming at us, maybe like a freight train. Let's let's talk about the whole thing. All yeah. Right. So if you missed it, uh, which I kind of have a feeling this year a lot of people did miss it. I actually don't know what the viewing numbers were, but it just sort of felt like uh, not quite as momentous as the last year when we were like in the middle of that crazy uh, or it was right after the crash and things had started going back up and everyone was wondering like what what are they going to say about it and this year felt a little bit more like okay we're all kind of back to normal so (laughs) I think that was (laughs) in a way kind of nice because last year he started out with this very sort of I don't know what the right superlative is exactly like it, it was kind of like a rah rah America talk and at the same time felt rather depressing about our situation, the fact that he was giving us the rah-rah America talk. And this year felt to me like um, a lot less of that kind of panic, not that he's panicking, but that feeling of like, we're in dire straits here, like let's make sure we're, uh, we're thinking along the same lines as uh, a very long-term view of like what country is going to do okay. And I think this year was uh was some of that as we can talk about which i thought was really interesting but but much more focused on like companies and you know what kind of choices are you making and what are the future of like infrastructure and sort of it felt a lot more normal which i think felt nice to me i honestly think buffett is preparing us for a hurricane yeah and just reminding us that it's a great country um we'll we'll we have pulled through many, many other things, and we started off this little obscure place with four million people and six hundred thousand yeah. slaves and a a half percent of the world's population. Mm-hmm. There were more people in Russia. There were five times more people in Russia. There were more people in Ukraine. There were more people in Ireland. In Ireland, actually. he said. Yeah, and he said, "What what did we have that made America?" And I think what he's saying is, "What is we? What do we?" What do we have that makes us worth investing in? Yeah. And essentially, this he said it was an aspirational map. Oh, I like that. Wait, let me just make sure I say we're talking about the Berkshire Hathaway mm. annual meeting here, which just happened on Saturday, May 1st. If you missed it, which I think is what I was about to try to say, um, you can watch it still online on Yahoo Finance. So um, it'll be up uh, probably for a long time. Go watch it whenever it's like, 
a little over five hours not to make that <laughs> too intimidating. And what what and, makes him worth? And so I think it's worth to, yes. Right? So it's worth paying attention to. What makes it worth paying attention to, Dad? Is how brilliant he is and how he thinks um, as an investor should think. And this is really the bottom line: is yeah, copying how Buffett and Munger think is how you think if you want to become very very wealthy as an investor. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's bottom line. So it's always interesting to kind of, you know, dive into I dive into what he's saying and what he's thinking. And yeah, he basically popped up this uh, this uh, list of companies that are the 20 largest companies in the world right now. And um, of the top six, five of them are American companies and 13 of the 20 are American companies. And the sixth of those top six is Saudi Aramco, which is essentially Saudi Arabia. Government. So government. it almost, yeah. to me, doesn't count. And he didn't quite say that, but he basically said that. So it's really the yeah. top five are American companies. So this is quite an interesting thing. And he said it's really not an accident at all. Um, the America wasn't a stronger, bigger company with more, or country with more resources. Um, it just had a system that worked unbelievably well. And I, he basically ends the entire four hours or whatever it was of of talk, which is amazing for a guy who's 90 and 97, okay? Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. If you can sit in front of a camera and take questions and be at the top of the game at 97, that was Munger. God, man, I'll tell you, those guys are amazing. And maybe it's a testament to investing that you can be that sharp because you've spent that You'd never let your brain just sit there and watch TV. Yeah, agree. You know, but I don't know. It but. is exhausting to do that. And so many of us are so intimately aware now how exhausting that is because we all do the Zoom meetings and Zoom calls. And it is, t- I mean, he's not, he doesn't have anybody in that room. Usually he's got the energy of the crowd in that huge stadium in Omaha. But in that room, there was, I think, you know, a cameraman. And I know. to do that was really incredible. I get exhausted after about an hour of talking to a computer. So, so here, here's the thing that I don't know if he made his point, though. I, I, this is what I was thinking about is that he goes on. He said, OK, so basically America, 13 out of 20. Hey, raw us. Right. And that's all because of our map and because of our system. And then he goes back and almost contradicts it. Now, go back 30 years. How many of these companies on the list of 20 yeah. were on the list 20 years yeah. ago? I think we had the same thought. Go ahead. <laughs> My answer, and I, you know, I thought, well, there's going to be some, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know how many. And the answer is zero. And I'm like, oh, what? Excuse me? Yeah. None of the top companies are were on the list. None of the 20 that were on the list 30 years ago, made this list now. I think there were six companies on uh, U.S. companies on the list 20 years ago. And none of them are on the list now. It includes GE, Exxon, IBM, Merck. None of them are on the list now 30 years later. So I guess I guess the point is, um, <clears throat> I'm back 30 years ago, it was a lot of Japanese companies that were on that list. So I guess his point is that, you know, America's, system is creates great companies but they go away they shrink they they rise there's a life cycle to these companies they rise and they fall and um 
the impact of that is that there is a great future ahead of us, he thinks, because we're stronger now than we were 30 years ago. And 30 years ago, we weren't in some kind of depression. It was like rock and roll time out in the United States 30 years ago. So we're stronger now than we were, which is good news because we've come through COVID and we've come through all this stuff. Um, and I think he would argue quite strongly that we'll be stronger in 50 years than we are today and we'll be stronger than China than we are today. And um, or at least highly competitive with China. So how did that not make the point for you? Well, <laughs> it, it, it basically it says that things can change remarkably fast in capitalism. <laughs> it's like Japan used to be on top and now they're not. And they've gone through darn near 30 years of train wreck. That's what I took from it. So here he puts yeah. up this list of what jumped out to me were uh, mostly, if not Maybe it wasn't mostly, but it seemed like a lot of Japanese companies and a couple American companies that have faded in the last 30 years and then a few others. And in my notes, I put uh, something like, is this what it's going to look like in 30 years for U.S. companies? Like, is some other country going to have a lot of that list? And it, it, it was just very striking to me that the Japanese change. And I yeah. haven't really seen it like that before. It was a big change downward that was sudden. The, 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 the rise upward, you could see it coming for a long time. Just like you can see China coming from far, far away now, right? I mean, if somebody displaces the United States, it's not going to be, you know, Germany. It'll be China. Well, and, we don't know that. Hmm? Could be Germany. Well, okay. Could be Switzerland. I don't know. Could be the UK. I, but it won't be. It's, but it it'll won't be China. Be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I genuinely think China has obstacles that those other countries we just mentioned do not have to people owning parts of their companies on the open stock market. Well, to to that point, Charlie's talking about whether China will stay with the system that got them yeah. here, right? And um, I, and I'm I'm fascinated by that. I mean, we're sort of jumping all the way to the end here because, but it's all part of a of a piece. And um, and and that is, you know, one, if you're an American investor, if you're an investor anywhere in the world, do you want to keep investing in America? That's number one. Um, or do you, in Charlie's terms, you have to fish where the fish are. And are the fish still in America? <clears throat> That's the first question. Or are they all in China now? Right. Or someplace else, wherever you could find them. Um, and uh, and and second is, you know, are. Are the U.S. companies that are big now going to be big in the future? Can you count on that? And I think the answer is pretty ambivalent a little. I think it is. I actually ambivalent. I think Warren and Charlie have different. Warren wanted to make the point at the end that America, you know, invest in America. That's that's the place to be mm -hmm. still. And I think Charlie made the point that, okay, essentially he's just made his first investment in about four years. And it was Alibaba. And he refused to invest in Chinese companies until recently because of the structure of that company being a VIE and a financial derivative of, of some sort. And he doesn't like those kinds of things. And now he's put significant money into Alibaba. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I it's sent a big Austin shift. over to... It's a big shift. It's a big shift. Well, I sent Austin over to China to take a look at Alibaba and JD. And he spent uh, a week over there trying to get a sense of it all. 
and came back with the sense that Alibaba was bigger, stronger, better, and that would be, you know, more of our preference if we wanted to do it. But I, I just decided I just didn't know enough. I couldn't really know enough. It was just, I don't know, just a little over my head uh, to try to pull the trigger on something like that. And the more I looked at Chinese companies, the more I realized that there's really two sets of books. You know, there's there's kind of the set of books they keep in China, and then there's the set of books they keep at the VIE, and they're not necessarily the same thing. And we don't know if they're the same thing because they can't be audited by a real actual U.S.-based auditing company, auditing firm. It's against the law in China. So I guess bottom line is, you know, if you go start going where the fish are, you better know what you're stepping into because, you know, that's dangerous territory over there, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think I side with Buffett on this. I think, okay, yeah, the U.S. is getting, uh, another country is rising, and there are the tensions between the two countries, as there inevitably are between two two huge superpowers. And China is pushing its way toward Taiwan and, and uh, out into the South China Sea, and there could be a conflict. There could be a conflict in North Korea. All these things could happen, but at the end of the day, where do you want your money to be, Right. It's also like when people talk about like U.S. or other countries, unless you're buying treasury bills or something like that, you're not actually buying China or the U.S. or Germany or the U.K. You're buying companies that are based there. So in a way, yes, like it does matter where it is, of course, but it also matters what the company is. And so when you're... Yeah, very good point. I mean, when we're looking at this stuff, I think... Chinese company X versus Alibaba, like there's a very big, enormous gulf between how those two, you know, some random Chinese company that's not about to take over the world and is Amazon's largest competitor and the company that's about to take over the world and is Amazon's largest competitor as far as scrutiny and international, um, attention to what they're doing yeah that's true so that's true i think not a scam yeah well it's not a scam company now whether or not the numbers they're putting out are exactly correct you know we don't have any way of knowing that but certainly there are a lot of people who have the ability to invest within china who i would think have better information than we do i hope well and they are looking at that and to go on well to go on with the point buffett was making if i can is just if i can follow him is that from 1989 till now, 30 years, the largest company in the world was $100 billion. Mm. And today it's $2 trillion. Yeah. And the math on that is pretty extraordinary. It's roughly an 11 point something percent compounded annual growth rate. I'm glad you're saying this because what, as he went through inflation. that, he really didn't talk about that very much. And I was just blown away by that change That's pretty significant and he just sort of went right? oh but inflation isn't a big part of that it's all capital creation and i was it like is largely capital That's creation. completely it really is. insane well then you completely take it take insane. it from there and extrapolate out where that what that means what if this continues for the next 30 years and you effectively have let's say it's 11 percent and that's and let's say for some just to go apples to apples, that was about a 9% net after inflation growth rate. Okay. A 9% real growth rate <clears throat> for 30 years, which will double your money in Wait, eight years. Wait, from what to what? From 89 to now. No, no, I mean like 
like for like Apple, the company, or for no, for the largest company so, to the largest company. Okay, okay, because the, the largest was what uh, some one hundred nine billion. billion. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we got a nine percent growth rate that's real. That's asset. That's wealth creation going on right there at nine percent. It doubles it every <clears throat> eight years, real in real terms. So if we were to do that same thing, so we can. Ex- take out inflation, take out the, the impact of inflation, which could be gigantic over the next 30 years, take that out and call it 9% real growth, you're doubling a $2 trillion company every eight years for the next 30 years, which is four doubles. So two trillion to four, four trillion to eight, eight trillion to 16, 16 trillion to 32 trillion. So that was what I think he was trying to get over is that take a deep breath and look at what that would do over the next 30 years, that now the largest company in the world is $32 trillion large, real, in in today's dollars. Now, good God, I mean, if we have inflation, it could be $64 trillion, it could be $100 trillion in U.S. dollars, you know? So, I mean, just the numbers are breathtaking. And, and the point is, you have to be in the game. Yeah, You cannot be outside of this game. <clears throat> and a lot of people are thinking, I need to get outside this game. I need to be in farmland. I need to be in gold. I need to be in Bitcoin. I need to be somewhere not in this game. And it could be, in Buffett's terms, I think he thinks it could be the biggest stupid mistake you could ever make is to think you can call that shift. And call and and then shift back at the right time, whereas yes. he doesn't ever try to do that. Yeah, I do think like, that he thinks that calling the shift is ridiculous. I also think he thinks that more so today than he did four or five years ago when he basically was calling that shift and it didn't happen. Yep. So he, you know, he alluded to that a few times that he never thought this recovery would go, or not the recovery, but this um, boom would go on so long. He never thought that uh, these companies would go to this high of a level, but they are here. And right. um, yeah, he a couple times mentioned something like, I don't really know <laughs> what's happening here, but we're going with it. And somebody well, asked him about valuations, like being so high. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he just immediately said, well, the companies we bought, we don't think the valuations are too high. Full right. stop. And then he also said that interest rates are like gravity to stock markets. And yeah. so if you if you parse that out, essentially what that means is that, and, and Warren basically said, if I was an athlete, I'm not an athlete, but if I had the gravity of the moon around me, I would be effectively an Olympic world-class athlete. I would I would be able to do magnificent things that I can't really do with gravity. And I think the point is that the market is doing magnificent things entirely as a result of the removal of gravity by the Federal Reserve. They've dropped interest rates down to zero, going toward negative interest rates on some short-term stuff that you know, 40, 50 years ago wasn't even conceivable in the top economic books in the world. Yeah, yeah. He pulled out that book. That was pretty funny. 
right? And so we're looking at a point in time where he's not ready to make a market call or he's not interested in making a market call. He doesn't really do that and say that this is absurd. I'm not I mean, can we just agree he totally was making a market call like yeah, he was totally four making years a ago. Call. Like he totally four years was. Ago, 2017, <laughs> he'd made a market yeah. call that this isn't going to last. There's going to be an economic yeah. storm. Get ready to he get ready to pick up the gold. He has stopped with that language. He has. And and yet here we are with this anti-gravity machine going on and he just doesn't know how long it can keep going on. But Charlie's much more forthcoming and he was very blunt about it. It will end in disaster, period. <laughs> <laughs> stop. Full stop. It will end I'm in disaster. I'm not going to say when, but there is a disaster. <laughs> and, then, and then you look at what, and obviously one of the most important things to do with Buffett is to not only look at what he says because he's always often soft peddling things look at what he's doing and what he's doing is trying to find something he can buy and the only thing he could buy with any kind of real money last year at all during the pandemic when things were crashing the only thing he felt comfortable buying was berkshire that was it he bought 25 billion dollars of berkshire he sold other stuff. He didn't try to jump in at the bottom of the market. Charlie said, you know, we, he, good luck trying to do that with hundreds of billions of dollars. We don't know how to do it. Um, and we had some deals that we thought were going to go. And then the Federal Reserve changed everything and kicked in a whole pile of money. So we didn't really do anything. Well, they did. They bought a crap load of Berkshire stock mm -hmm. and they sat on cash. And everybody forgets, but cash is an investment. It's an asset. When you're putting your money into something, it's an investment. And you're putting your money into 100 and at this point in time, $145 billion of cash. And then Buffett parsed that a little bit when Becky Quick asked him, you know, hey, that's a lot. Are you going to say He sit? did, yeah. He said, well, it's not as much as it looks like because we want Berkshire to be a fortress against collapse, which will tell you the next, right? Do watch what he set, watch what he does. He is locking up ballpark $60 billion for Berkshire to have in cash for when it hits the fan. That's three times more than he's ever carried for that purpose. He's always 20 billion is about the maximum. And that means he's got 80 billion left that he wants to put someplace. And that's what he said. He I said, got, I've got I think he said 70. He, he was looking to put 70. 70 to 80. Yeah. Um, and he yep. specifically... As soon as he said that uh, he wasn't sure what was going to happen in the, you know, all that sort of platitude, 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 then he immediately right after that, to your point, said, so we have chosen companies that are capital rich, high margin companies like Apple. Yeah. Um, he said Apple's a better business than Berkshire because it has such high margin. Throws off more cash. Yeah. And I took that and I thought to myself, I could release all of my fancy checklists and, you know, all the things we've spent years talking about. And if you just follow that, I bet I could find maybe like one or two companies. It's not going to be a lot out of the thousands available, but a couple of companies that are really capital rich high margin companies with great management. Like this is what they've been teaching us. Right. And like, yep. that's it. And then just hold them for a long time through the disaster. That's not, 
that's not that hard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And I, I mean, and I think that's what, what they're doing. I mean, they're investing in That's exactly what they're in doing. companies that are going and he said something I'm trying to remember the word, but he said something around interest like after he talked about how the interest rates are so low that um that they're like anti-gravity to the stock market that as they then go up, they will be like more gravity to the stock market and companies that uh that have so much cash that have such a great bank account for case of emergency right. are suddenly not going to have to be borrowing. They're not going to have to be paying on current debt, higher rates right. than they're used to. Right. And they are going to suddenly look genius and in a class of their own. Right. And I had never 100%. quite put that together in my mind. I had thought about it a bit like, Oh, you know, we talk a lot about how debt is dangerous but I had never quite put that together. And I mean, it's so simple and so obvious. What else is there to talk about for the rest of the semester? Like, right. let's all go home. That's so genius. And that's how Berkshire is. Genius. They're keeping money around. They're investing huge amounts in infrastructure, literally infrastructure for the future through railroads and energy. And he made so many points about that and had Greg talk about that over and over. So wait, let me parse that yeah, for a second. Ahead. So first, the first thing is cash, okay? That's huge. That's whether it's you, if you're Berkshire, or, or you, right? And it's investing in companies that produce cash. And by the way, there's another element to producing cash. These companies are all inflation-proof. Every one of them. They're all big moat. They can raise prices um, think, with inflation. Uh, that seems like a big statement, to some extent. Nah, to some extent. Check it out. You, you, I think you'll see that almost everything in the portfolio, I mean, that's almost the definition of a moat, is that you can raise your prices. Why? Because you have something no one else has, and you've got a bunch of people who are going to buy it, right? It's the old Coca-Cola can raise its price by a, by a penny, and nobody's going to Yeah, but they can't raise to, their price by 10 bucks, you know? Like it has no, but they can, if... <laughs> what are you just saying? <laughs> That if, if prices rise to Coca-Cola by $10 a bottle, that they can't raise their prices to $10 and 12 cents or, th- or to, to $11. Yeah, they can. Oh, they have for the entire hundred year history. Inflation would be make it appropriate for that to be the price. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. I mean, if the sugar prices or corn syrup, whatever they're using, go through the roof, which they have in the past, they just raise their prices. Yeah. 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 And people go buy it. I guess. And I, I, I t- I'll tell you, we, you know, we, we these guys didn't talk that much about inflation, but, uh, you know, it's coming. I, there's no question about it. Um, I was just listening to Michael Burry talk about inflation. Burry is, of course, the guy we've talked about before on here who made a really good call on shorting uh, mortgage bonds mm-hmm. and made billions of dollars. Very, very smart guy. And, I mean, <laughs> contrary to Buffett, Burry is buying farmland. So <laughs> Burry thinks hyperinflation's on the way. So if we're not going to go out there and buy farmland, if we want public companies, then you don't want the entire market 
if you if you don't have any idea how to invest, of course you have to buy the entire market. Go buy the SPX and be in the game. Stay on the ship. That's Buffett's advice. I don't disagree with it. Um, most people are not going to be investors, but you are not most people. If you're listening to this, you are definitely not most people. You're weird. And, and <laughs> exactly. you're obviously looking to understand how to invest. Well, understanding how to invest is not hard. That's the crazy thing about it. And and these two guys are brilliant, but they will tell you over and over again. I just watched a, um, a really interesting uh, video of Buffett from 1981 or something. It was his first TV appearance. And, you know, what did he talk about? Well, you know, this kind of investing doesn't require a high IQ. This is not where, you know, somebody really smart wins. You know, it's, this is where you are patient and you have a set of criteria that you follow and you buy $10 bills for $5. When you buy a number of $10 bills for $5, you, you know, you are going to have uh, a high degree of certainty you won't lose money. Hello. Yes. Right. You're, you're frowning. What? Okay. Great. Yeah. Okay. That was it from forever. Of course, we all know that. So this is um, the formula of uh, Watch Buffett. Watch, watch what so you're doing. contrasting that from years ago to to uh, to this weekend to last weekend. Yeah, and it's just it's the same story. You you want to buy a handful of businesses that are that are wonderful businesses, and they're wonderful in today's world. They're wonderful because they're anti-inflation. They're anti-fragile companies. They are going to do better in their industries than everybody else as a result of the impact of whatever's going on out there. And um, man, you look at, look, I mean, go back, go back a couple of years and somebody was asking Buffett about buying gold and he said, well, you could, you know, you can buy the, all the gold in the world, which would make a cube about 90 feet on a side or, and there's nothing you can do with it. It doesn't produce any wealth. It just sits there. He says, you can look at it or you could buy virtually all of the large oil companies in the world, all the large energy companies in the world. 18 times over, plus all the farmland in America. And that's what he would rather have, because those things are going to be a better source of uh, wealth, of real wealth, than just sitting in gold. And I think that's a huge, huge Wait, who, point Wait, who understand. is this? Buffett? Yeah. Okay. Buffett. Okay. All right, let me repeat. <laughs> Buffett a few years ago said you could take all the gold in the world, put it in a cube, and it would fit between home plate and second base. Yeah. I'd rather have all farmland right. and farmland, something else that I forget. 18 exons. 18 exons. That was it. So look at what he's choosing, though. I think it's really important. Look at what he's choosing. He's choosing companies that will that are required for to, to be operating for civilization. You have to have energy and you have to have food. Right. That's what he would rather have than all the gold in the world. And that's what he's buying. He's buying those kinds of companies. So that, I think, is a really good lesson for us, you guys. Plus Apple. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But look at the look at the, I don't know, almost 100 companies he owns. And you'll see that <clears throat> they're all they're 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 all of a piece. They're all niche companies that control their niche dramatically 
and are anti-inflationary. I mean, in the sense that they can grow with inflation and uh, and reprice themselves. Yeah. And that's what I think you ought to be looking at, you guys. And I don't, I don't agree with him <clears throat> that the average person can't invest. I, I, and the, right? Because I think the average person, he knows it's not about IQ. It's just that he knows the average person isn't going to put in the time and effort into a very narrow range of businesses that they can fully become expert at. That is just, most people just don't have the discipline to do it. It's not that they can't, they can totally do it, but the discipline is required. They don't, they don't have the um, interest, I think. It's not that okay, interesting, interest. you know? And they they made the point together, kind of arguing a little about whether or not gambling was uh, an appropriate thing to completely disavow. Because <laughs> Munger was like, these gamblers in the market, rah, it's disgusting. disgusting, immoral. And Buffett was like, eh, I think it's pretty human nature to be a gambler. Well, I mean, Buffett basically <laughs> said, I'm not going to talk about Bitcoin because, you know, uh, you know, th there's probably three of you out there that will benefit from shorting it, but there's thousands who want it to go up. So I'm not going to get on the bad side of that. Munger said, no, I'll get on the bad side of that. You're waving a red flag at a bull when you bring up Bitcoin. It's nonsense. It's immoral. It's yeah. unethical. That was a different, right? yeah, different section. But the whole, yeah. The, yeah, the point being, right, that that it's not investing, it's gambling. And they're, 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 they're not gamblers. These guys don't want you to take your money. As Charlie said, if, you know, I'm, I'm not criticizing the fish. I love that part. I'm not criticizing the fish. Who's, being a fish is a derogatory term used by professional gamblers for people who don't know what they're doing. You're a fish. Is that true? And they're going to hook you. I yes. didn't know that. Oh, I yeah. thought he was referring to the shooting fish in a barrel, which didn't really make no, sense no. because he's, the fish in that situation the, are the stocks. So He's talking about the idiot at the table uh, who doesn't yeah, yeah. know he's the fish. It was clear that it was an he's, idiot, but I didn't know it was a gambling right? term. <laughs> yeah. So that's what they call a guy like who doesn't know what they're doing and, uh, and they're going to take his money yeah, yeah. and they're the fish. Yeah. And he says, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not upset with the fit yeah, everybody you know people want to be gamblers they can be gamblers i'm upset with the people who set up the game for them. yeah but they he only said that doing. because buffett defended people who are and robin hood who are it's in our he's not wrong it's in our nature to be gamblers and to try to yeah. you know make a quick buck so to speak or a slower buck or uh, or just to do better in our lives and i think they're saying be careful be careful when you're when you're you're not aware of where your, your money is for uh yeah. for crypto and bitcoin yeah i i don't know i think these guys don't quite get it so it'll be interesting well, to uh, see in like that's five pretty years amazing if well it'll probably take longer than it, you know unfortunately it might take longer than their lifetimes well, here's, but it'll be really interesting I mean, to see if if they are around if they say well, something like guys, they did about tech companies back 10 years ago or so, which is, I was wrong about that. Yeah, well, I don't know if they're wrong about that. I mean, we can we can have that discussion another time. But <clears throat> I think with, with regard to crypto, what I never hear them talk about is the one aspect of crypto that is absolutely compelling and they never discuss it. And that is that you, if you buy Bitcoin or another kind of 
popular crypto, you can move your money across borders without government interference. They don't know you're doing it. And that is the whole reason that Bitcoin was developed, is to get away from government control of the currency and, and the ability of the government to devalue it infinitely, which they do. Um, and they don't discuss that at all, other than to say that they don't like a platform that allows criminals to avoid the law. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm amazed that they're not uh, addressing that, but it is rather anti-civil to be thinking, I need to have an investment asset that will allow me to exit my country um, without any problem whatsoever. But it's that is clear the that thing they I very much did it. not want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I thought it was pretty so, funny. <laughs> so and, overall, and if, there's a, if there's a value to Bitcoin, it's that it's that you can you can do that, and and you can't do that so easily with gold. I mean, you just can't easily pack gold up and move it across the border. They're going to catch you, and they're going to take all your gold, or you're going to get robbed, or whatever. Bitcoin has some incredible values in that regard. But unfortunately, it's so new, it's just impossible to know what the value is of it. I, it's just so hard to know. So anyway, yeah, I, onward. Yeah, onward. Next thing I want to talk about is the idea of bringing values to your to your investments. Bring your values okay. to your investments. So maybe we do that for next episode, bringing values okay. to your investments. Okay, we'll talk about that did, next time. He did get into that. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. Okay, until well, then. This, this Berkshire meeting, I have to say, sparked more conversation than I expected because... It's quite interesting. They always, it's but whenever we un You're right. Whenever we unpeel it, there's always so much more to get into to talk about. All right. Okay, see you guys next Thanks, time. Thanks, everybody. Time Bye. To go play. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And I'm really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.